We've been looking through John, and it's been interesting because there's been different things that happen. Maybe a, a guy who's blind will get healed. Uh, maybe uh, a big crowd of people uh, miraculously are fed. You know, the loaves broken up. But what's neat about John is it'll go into a chapter or two, sometimes three, of just the discussion that Jesus has with his disciples about what it is that's happening. And now we're coming to sort of the final discussion. Maybe not the final, because he does have some discussion with his disciples when he rises from the dead. But this is the last discussion that he has, really, the in-depth discussion that they that John records. And again, John is, describes himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And this is sort of his last in-depth conversation that's recorded of him explaining something to his disciples. And, and what he's explaining to them is what it's going to be like after he dies on the cross and he rises up and goes up to be with the Father and, and what it's going to be like for them here on earth during that period of time. And he's, the words are meant to be an encouragement or a directive or a help to all of us who believe in Jesus, but it's also specifically a help to those that he's called or that, that want to uh, come into some sort of role uh, of leadership too. And uh, that, that's important for us. I only bring that up because today after church, as many of you know, we've been having these church meetings and now what we're doing is instead of having like a church elder or council meeting of some people who are serving in a leadership capacity, we're sort of opening that up to everybody and saying, if you're at all interested in it, come try it out, see what it's like, and see if you'd like to take a turn on that and run with it. And the reason why we're doing it that way is because of what we see here in the Gospels, that the disciples had no idea what that meant. They were not good. They were still saying things like, should we call fire down from heaven and burn this village up? And they were still, Peter's about ready to disown Jesus three times before the night's over. And leadership is not something that, okay, now I've come to a place in life where I can be a leader. That's not what it is in the church, at least. It's just saying, I'd kind of like to just try this out. And see if this is something that God might do with me. See if this is something that that I enjoy. And and that type of thing. So it's not something where you have to be someone big. It's more just like, I think that might be a fun thing. I think that might be something I'd like to look into and see how that goes. And, And so that's what these meetings after church will be. And that's sort of clarifies what that role is uh, in this conversation Jesus has with his disciples. Now, the section that we're looking at today, um, some translations put this verse 15 in the passage that we looked at last week, the first 14 verses, but uh, I I think in the Greek translations, it's it's usually put in this this section, and it's hard because this statement, people don't know where to put it or how, how to take it. It says, if you love me, keep my commands. Now... A lot of times people take that and they just look at the, they take it and read it to, how it reads to them is Jesus saying, you need to keep the commandments. And you need to keep, you know, the commandments that I have. And 
that would be a, a difficult thing if you took it that way, because what Jesus says is, well, you've heard it said, you shall not commit murder. He's referring to the law of Moses, the commandments. And then Jesus says, but I say to you, if you're angry with someone, you've already committed murder in your heart. <laughs> if you look at what Jesus says, it's not going to make it... If you couldn't keep the law of Moses, you certainly aren't going to be able to keep what Jesus is saying regarding it, if that's what he's getting at there. And what people are really getting at is a, an issue that we sort of have as we're trying to figure out the gospel and what Jesus is saying and how we relate to that, because everything that we're raised in and everything in the world is geared with this idea in mind of you've got to figure out the right way of doing things. If we can be good, if we can do the right thing, then the blessings of God will land on us. But the gospel is something contrary to that, where Jesus is saying, can't you see that you've just completely messed up, but God's been blessing you anyways? And so when you start to realize that, because we've been thinking of this way of like, well, there's got to be something, something that's important about what we do, some sort of repercussions or something that must be based. It's hard. And so we sort of, when we look through the scripture, we try and sort of find, we find like a tension between those two things. Like, like for instance, the Bible will talk about righteousness. We'll almost always, when we hear righteousness, think of something the Bible actually puts a little defining term, the righteousness of works, which is, I've done this, I deserve this, you know, because I've done this. And that's not what it's talking about in terms of righteousness. It uses the word, but it uses it to describe a righteousness of faith, which is taking it, you see what I'm saying? It's a little bit different. And, and so what we find is there's this tension where we see, okay, I know I'm forgiven. I, I can see that, that God does many good things in my life, and it's just a complete and utter gift but it's just hard for me to see that it all has, there has to be some sort of value, some sort of reason, some sort of way that we still hold on to this idea that there's good things that I need to do, and if I do them, then blessing or something, you know, I don't even know what, will come to me extra on top of that. And so we live in that sort of tension, and we see this, and we feel like that, that's Jesus saying that. But that's not what Jesus is saying here. The first indication of that is how he starts. He says, if you love me, or uh, the, the sort of old, we don't really use this word anymore, so it's not going to be that meaningful, but it's sort of if happily, not not happily, but happily, like um, uh, it's sort of like saying, if by chance there's some love in your heart. For Jesus, and, and it, but without using saying Jesus and saying it's just by chance, so leave the word chance out. But it's just sort of saying if there's some love there to any degree, whether big or small, just like if you just sort of find there's some love there, then do this. In other words, he's making it very clear that whatever it is he's about to talk about, and he's referring to in terms of commandments or, or do, he's saying. The only reason why he's bringing it up, the only value in it, is if in our heart there's some love there and we want to respond and we want to do something. And the reason why that's important to see that he's only talking about that, because that's often what people will talk about in terms of, look, if we just take all the laws away and the fear of repercussions and this, then we'll never do anything right. 
I, I've heard people tell me that all the time. Like if I didn't, wasn't afraid of where this would take me, then I would just go crazy and do all this stuff. As though the only motivating factor in life is fear of some sort of repercussion. And if we just take grace that God's always forgiving us and every good thing has nothing to do with that and that Jesus died on the cross to take away any kind of penalty that we might have, then there's this sort of fear that like, well, then we'll just never, everything will just go crazy. But the assumption, the assumption with that is that we must have some sort of motivation of fear to do anything good. And that's a complete and utter lie. That's why Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, that one give up his life for his friends. If you fear, you will do a lot of things to save your life. But the only thing that's going to cause you to give up your life is love. In other words, if you just take the grace side of things and and set this to the side, it's not like everyone's just going to sit on their couch and watch TV because now they're just not afraid of anything No, love is a giant motivator. We'll get up and do something because I care about this person. Love is a greater motivator, and it turns out that's the only thing that God's actually interested in. He's not at all interested in us doing things because we're just afraid that, like, we're going to suffer this or that, and so we're just, like, doing it out of self-preservation type thing, out of fear. He doesn't want that. That's not a relationship. What he wants is to just take care of all that so that it's just a question, is there any love there? (laughs) If there is, then what? That's what he's saying. If there's love there, sometimes we have to look at like the story of Ruth and Boaz. Ruth's mother-in-law just says, go, and and what she basically says to her is, tell this guy, and no one's spoken to her, you're interested in him. And then he'll do the rest. (laughs) She's saying, just start the little, the love process here, and and then you just stand back and just, he'll, he'll start moving. (laughs) And sure enough, he goes and gives a shoe. What guy, guy is going to give one shoe? He just, I don't know, you'll have to read the story. But he goes, and he's motivated, and he makes it happen. (laughs) And and that's what Jesus is saying, is like, if there's something there, like, and, and by love, it means you're in your heart, and you're just sort of feeling like, man... I just keep messing things up. Or it's just, I'm not, t- I get all that, but I just want to be able to respond. Or I just, I feel like there's this feeling in me that I just want, like our, uh, uh, you know, it's like with your kids or anyone, you just sort of feel like I, I just want to do something. He says, well, what is it that you can do then? How, how is it that you can act out? What is it that I have laid out before you? And he says this, keep my commands. And and keep, uh, we we sort of read that in the sense of, uh, you know, do not murder, so I keep that command by not murdering. (laughs) You know, it's something that I've kept. It's not keep in that sense. It's keep as in keep. Like, you know, like a a mother with her child, she keeps her child closer. It's the sense of, uh, it it could be almost a military term, but but it's not that. What it is, is just watch over, guard. And what he's saying is like, if you've, it makes sense when you think about it in terms of that. If there's some love there, if you start from that, 
if there's some, if I love Karen, if I do, the very least I'd start listening to what she has to say <laughs> and not just listen like, uh-huh, 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 oh, you know, just sort of like I'm watching TV, but just sort of, uh-huh. no, like keeping it, holding it like, dear, like it's valuable to me. And, and that's all he's saying. He's like, look, it, it's very simple. He's just saying, look, if you're feeling that, then, then pay attention, watch, listen, hold on to what it is that I've been saying to you. And what is it that he's been saying? If you look in the passage here, he's not talking about anything whatsoever that we need to do this, we need to do that, we need to do this. He's just talking about everything that God is doing. He's saying, I'm going to do this. I will ask the Father for this. The Father will do this. And the only thing that he's in this conversation that you can look at that he's pointed to as saying, you need to do this, is he just says, you need to believe. That belief part. Uh, belief in what? He says again, belief in the things that he's doing. Believe that he came down from heaven. Believe that he lived. He's there, God living with them, he's telling them. Believe that he's going to, he must die on the cross for the forgiveness. Believe that he's going to come back and be raised from the. He's talking about this message that he's been talking about the whole time. It's this message that says, every good thing is come to us from the Father above as a gift because he loves us and cares for us and it has nothing whatsoever to do with us having done something to deserve it, 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 to having done something right. It's just because of God's love that he has for us and it's coming to us on, on the basis of, in other words, he's, he's God's righteous in feeling that love and acting on that love because Jesus has paid the price to answer to whatever justice would say, look, even though you love them, by justice you just couldn't be blessing them like this. But Jesus is saying, no, whatever penalty needs to be paid, God's saying, I'll pay that myself. So I am free to just love you. He's saying, take that message to heart. Don't just sort of nod our head, bobble head, just sort of hear it and guard it, watch over it. That's all he's asking. And he's not demanding it from us. He's just saying, look, if there's some love there, then that would kind of make sense to hear what I'm saying. Think about it. Take it hard. Guard. Take what I'm saying, that, that message, as precious. Now, how do you watch over that message? If um, Anytime you're just sort of out, just like the, the way things work in the world, you're always going to end up having some sort of conversation where someone's telling you about how, how horrible someone else is. It's just going to happen. You can't possibly talk to another person. You could go and live maybe just talking to yourself. You would talk about hypothetically horrible people. But like that, and then you'd be listening to yourself. So I guess you could do it by yourself. But like just that's the way conversations go with people. The gospel that Jesus is saying wouldn't be, oh, yeah, that person's so horrible, we're so awesome, I can't believe that person's so bad. And that guy. That's not hearing what Jesus says. That's not holding it dear. Holding it dear would be, to be saying like, oh, yeah, that is really horrible. Man, I, I, I probably do that to you all the time too. I'm really sorry. I know I do that all the time. You see how that sort of changes things? It's not saying, oh, yeah, that person's so horrible. It's acknowledging, yes, 
We do a lot of horrible things. And I do it all the time too. We do it to each other all the time. But, but that's not even what Jesus is saying because that would again be taking Jesus as like a rule. Like here's the situation, here's how you apply to it. But he's actually saying love. And how does that work out? And if you really care about the person and you've digested this message, you know a lot of times when you talk to someone about something, you're talking about how horrible, they're not actually even talking about the person. <laughs> It's not even about that person or the situation. It's just they got hurt. And they're just talking about their pain at that moment. And they don't need your correction <laughs> on it. And if you love them, sometimes you'll just sit there and maybe the conversation isn't going to go all right. Maybe you, there isn't anything to say. But they're just telling you to like let you bear some of that hurt on yourself. And you just sit there and just bear that. That's what Jesus is doing, bearing that hurt. And the only reason why I bring that up is it's not about here's a problem, here's what you do. It doesn't work like that with love. It's about caring and just sort of hearing and just sort of digesting and just like, and you're just not going to be able to figure. I mean, sometimes maybe you do need to say something like, you know, we're not any different. Sometimes maybe you don't need to say anything, but whatever it is that needs the do part on our part it's always going to end up being flawed. You're always going to walk away from that situation. Man, I probably shouldn't have said that. Or, man, maybe I should have said more. Or, you know, you're going to be going back and forth. And it's all Jesus is saying is like, it's okay because I'm the one who's going to work all that out. And that means that you guys can just, the love part, you can just start acting on it. You, you can just start letting it out, and it's going to be imperfect, but that's okay because the hope is that I'm going to make it so it'll be okay. Now, where he says here next, he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate or a helper to help you and be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and he will be with you. He's talking about his commands or talking about the things that Jesus is saying, the message that Jesus is giving. And he's saying that the Holy Spirit is going to come and it will, the Holy Spirit will help us watch over and care for that message. In other words, you'll be in that situation and you won't know what to say and you won't know this, but what you can do, and maybe this is something, you could just say, man, let's just, let's just pray. Let's just ask God. And then the Holy Spirit will come and when things work out, you'll be able to say, look, it wasn't that I had advice. You didn't have advice. We didn't know what to do. We were just feeling this pain together. But God did something. God, God changed the situation. And that's what the Holy Spirit and, and the, the intervention of God in our life. I, you know, I don't know how many times in church I've had uh, been a church where there's some sort of training on how to pray for people. It's kind of a funny thing when you really sit down and think about it. It's like some people say, you need to put your hands on. No, you don't put, you put your hands just like a little bit away from them. You, I'm not even going to go into the whole thing of things that you say and do. It, you're just not going to be able to feel, that's not the purpose. 
is all that's happening is you're basically asking for help. And he's saying, there's a helper there that's in your life, that's with you. Wherever it is that you're at, that helper is there hearing that cry for help and acting and making this message clear. What's the message? The message is is God loves us and cares for us and is doing things and blessing us and taking care of us just because he loves us, not because we deserve it or or we've done something right. It, It bypasses all that. It's just based on his love for us. And he says this is something that the world just doesn't accept. What does that mean? It means like going back to this conversation, if you're like, uh, let's take kids, for example. Someone says, oh, things worked out well for your kid for something with that. And, And what they want to hear is like, well, yeah, when they were like three years old, we had them watch these YouTube videos and do this, and then that's why, like, now, you know, I have this bumper sticker that says they're an honor student in, a, you know, an elementary school or something. You know, like, that's what they want to hear because then they want to be able to do that. What they don't accept, what the world doesn't accept is, I don't know, I did everything wrong, but for whatever reason, God just has been working things out. That just doesn't accept. If you get like some sort of job, everyone, what the world wants to see is like, oh, well, you know, you worked hard. You showed that you were, you know, really experienced. You got the right job experience, got the right education. And so then you earned this and and that. But if you tell people, it's like, well, I don't even know what happened. I walked in. It turns out I walked into the wrong building. I didn't even know. It's like I was interviewing. They, They kept calling me Ralph in the interview. It's like, it's like you see Jesus doing things and the world just isn't going to accept that. You see that this gospel message is working out and people just don't want to accept that. But the Holy Spirit will be there, this helper will be there to help secure that message within us and help watch over it as we share it with other people. He says, and he says, the spirit of truth. In other words, the reason why you got your job was because God just loves you and cares for you and has nothing to do with anything. If anything goes good in your life, it is because God did it and he loves you and cares for you. And that is the truth, but no one wants to accept the truth is basically what he's saying. And that's why we need to guard it because our whole life, all our language, the way we talk about everything, it's all framed to deny that. And it's, it's not like, you know, I'm not going to say it's okay because it's not, but I mean, just like that's part of what God is dealing with when he knows he's bonding and, and coming into a relationship with us. The, the relationship is that it, he, he knows that's how we're, our language is. It, it's... Like, every time we want to talk about something, it's as though God doesn't exist. But then he says, I will not leave you as orphans or fatherless or parentless. I I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. That if you look like it in like an interlinear translation, it'll uh, it'll say... uh, 
you will, and then it puts the will in like a parenthesis. See me? That's because the will actually isn't there. It's just there because of a perceived context of this. In other words, like when it says, I'll get to it. He says, because I live, you will also live. And on that day, you realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. And, and people feel so that the context of that is just talking about Jesus when he returns and brings us up into heaven. And so that's why the will is sort of, even though it's not there contextually, if that's the way you see it, it should be there, but it's not. But, but the reason why it's not there is because, look, look, when Jesus says, right now the world sees me, there'll be this little while where the world does not see me. When it says that Jesus returns, the Bible is very clear. It says every knee will bow. In other words, everyone will see Jesus. There's no reason to make a distinction of a time, it's a little while, when people don't see Jesus. And so what he's, long story, what he's saying is, is what they have there is going to continue through this time on into when Jesus returns. And so... And so what he actually says is, you see me now, and you'll continue to see me. You see me now, you'll continue to see me through this time when I'm in, and you'll continue to see me in heaven. But for the world, they see me, and there's this historical time, whenever, and then there'll be this time when they don't see me, and then they'll see me again. In other words, he's just saying, you'll see. What, what he's getting at is that whatever it is that Jesus was doing, in the Gospels, he's saying he's alive. He's present. He's here. He's doing stuff. In other words, a lot of times we're just, you know, just so caught up in like, well, what am I doing? What is this person doing? What, what's happening here that this person, we're constantly looking for something that we think is maybe successful that, that's been done so that we can kind of copy it and have that kind of success. And we just, we're locked into that way of thinking. But if the truth is, that God is the one who does every good thing in our life. What we're really talking about is, well, what is Jesus doing? <laughs> and he's saying that if you have a little bit of love, if, if there's some love there, the, the love didn't start with, with us. John says, you know, we love because he first loved us. In other words, it's not just a saying or a fly, that's important, the message that Jesus is getting, but the important part is that Jesus lives that he came down and became one of us and is still here. His, that he lived a life in, a, in, in the flesh that we lived in that, that had a span of life, but, but he continued on past that. And, and what he means is, is that he's still here doing stuff. And, and what the world doesn't accept is this message that everything is given to us as a gift by God and God's the one doing it. And because of that, we miss the love of God. And if we miss the love of God, then how, how can our heart turn to love him? And, and what he's saying is, is safeguard that message, but also safeguard and watch over the fact that Jesus, you should be able to look at and say, oh, I, I think the, the word belief that he's talking about, it extends to that. It's saying not just I believe in the message, but it's, it's saying that just ha- I don't think that was a coincidence. Uh, I believe that Jesus was doing something there. 
Uh, Karen, I was just telling me this morning, this is a stupid, silly thing, and I'm not, I don't want to try and reduce like the things that Jesus does to silly things. But, but, I mean, at least in my life, Jesus does a lot of things that when I look at it, I really just didn't need that, but he just did it. There's a lot of things I do in my kid's life that, you know, like take them trick-or-treating, and they just had bags of candy. All that candy is going to get eaten, I guarantee you. It's going to be just siphoned out of a thing. And anyways, she went trick-or-treating. They found these keys. I think Jerry and Ingrid were there or something like that. And they found these keys and asked around whose keys these are. You know, because you're trick-or-treating. It's like someone's stuck now like at 10, 11 o'clock at night. And so they finally just set them up on this post. And they go like two, three, four blocks away. And they're sitting there getting candy. And there's this lady and she's there and she gets candy. And then she starts like digging through her purse and Karen's all, all right, did you lose your keys? And the lady kind of like looks at her <laughs> and says, uh, yeah, I think I did. I don't, I don't know. And then she says, I had this little blue thing. He goes, oh, yeah, we found them. They're like a couple blocks. They walked her all the way back. Things. Now, if you're like a mom out there with a bunch of kids in the middle of the night and you've lost your keys, <laughs> I don't know her situation, I, you could say, oh, Wow. Well, that's an awful big coincidence. <laughs> you know? Well, isn't that, she's the luckiest person I know. That lady, she's so lucky. <laughs> you can believe that. But you could also just believe that even though it's a little thing, somehow Jesus worked it out. And Karen was able to be involved. And Karen was able to see that. Now, it's not like, oh, Karen just needs to tell her, like... <laughs> Now, you need to know that Jesus found your keys for you. <laughs> the lady can put two and two together if she so pleases. But, but Karen knows. That's what he's saying here. You see it. Everyone else may not see it. But, but you see it. Because you know, you believe. Because there's some love for Jesus that's there. And then here's where it gets to the really important part and the, the thrust of the whole thing. He says, whoever has my commands or uh, he's saying, if you've got some understanding of this message, if, like he was saying, if there's some love there, if you find that you're grabbing a hold of this message a little bit, like it's starting to click for them. They, they don't really understand it that much, but it's starting to. And you hold dear to it or you, you know, Watch and you're watching over it. You, you kind of understand a little bit. You're watching over it. You're, you're seeing some things. He says, My Father will love them and we will come to them and we will make our home with them. Uh, it's easy to think there that Jesus is saying, If you love me, then I'll love you. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying that as John makes it clear, we love because he first loved. The love originates with God. That's part of the message. But then our heart wants to respond. And then he says his heart will respond to our... In other words, he's starting that... Um, I don't know how to describe that. When, uh, when some of our kids were younger, you know, big families start these stupid traditions and say weird things and it's all contextual that no one else understands. So this may just sound stupid to you. Um, but when they were little, uh, 
they would, you know, obviously we'd be giving them candy and ice cream and stuff like that to say I love you because when Karen and I were young, we just didn't know what else to do to say that. And so we'd do that. And then our kids would say something like, you know, I love you. Right? I, if it works, it works. <laughs> if that's all it takes to get my kids to say, I love you, I'm just going to start dishing out the candy. <laughs> like, it's that simple. And so then we would say, oh, well, we love you too. I love you too. And then our kids would say, I love you three. And then like the ultimate would be, because no one in our family can count past 10, would be someone would finally say, I love you seven, eight, nine. <laughs> you know, and that what it is is just like, it's not, he's not saying like our love causes God to love us. He's just saying that when you feel some love there and you start trying to respond, it initiates this back and forth where it's like love 789 type thing. You're just, you're loving each other. That's the goal. The goal isn't like a one-off type thing when you have a relationship with someone. It's just you, won't, you don't want to like, you don't even think about how it originated. You're just happy because it's now it's just this back and forth of responding back and forth to love. He says, okay, you're in that now. We're all in that. The Father's in that. You're in it with all of us. As the Father loves me, the Father also loves you. We're just all together in this love mush pot, maybe, or something like that where it's being expressed. And he says, when, when that's the case, he says, I too will love them and will disclose myself to them and show myself. And what he's saying there is this. There's, if there's some love there, obviously it's only there because we're starting to feel as though we're starting to see that the good things in our life are given to us by God and are given to us in spite of the fact that we're doing all sorts of stuff wrong and we're starting to see the love of God. And so our heart is already responding without us even knowing and that love is building because God's love is pouring. And as we see that more clearly and as we start seeing that Jesus is alive and we can sort of point out over there, oh, uh, that Jesus did that or Jesus did this type thing. And we're taking that it's a belief. I believe that Jesus did that. I believe that Jesus did that. What he's saying is, is just as with the disciples here, Jesus is going to start disclosing ahead of time what it is that he's doing. In other words, it's not just going to be us standing here saying, oh, Jesus did that. It's going to be Jesus standing here and saying, hey, what do you think about going over there and doing this? (laughs) And having that type of interaction where we're in on it ahead of time. And we start feeling like, for some odd reason, like, for instance, a stupid key example. I don't know, I just felt like I needed to, like, really pay attention to these keys for some reason. That's sort of like Jesus saying ahead of time, like, look, this lady needs her keys back. We're going to do this. And so keep track of those keys (laughs) type thing. Okay, that's a silly example. Uh, but you get what I'm saying. It's just, that's the really fun part about it. And it's not, and that's what leadership is about, but it's not really leadership. That's what following Jesus is about. He, everything else can happen, but he's leaving us here because he wants us 
to have the joy of the wonderful things that he's doing to be a part of what leads up to that. And it's not because this and this and this needs to happen in order for this to happen. It's going to be a miracle as to why it happens. Like when you look at the stories in the Bible, like um, Gideon defeats like the army. I can't remember who it was, some giant army that came after him and they, you know, blew the trumpets and made fire torches and broke the pots. That's not like that's a a book that's written on how 300 people can defeat 300,000 people. (laughs) That's just him doing stuff. (laughs) And and that's what it is. God's going to have all sorts of stuff. We're we're in on it and we're just going to have the fun not because it has to happen or because there's, we know something or we're so experienced or this or that. It's just we just want to be a part of what's going on. <laughs> and he's just going to let us say, look, we're just, let's start doing some stuff. <laughs> and, and I'm going to let you in on the beginning stages of it so we can say when we get up into heaven, we'll be able to, remember when we were all sitting there and you said, hey, let's go do this. And so then we, he's going to start disclosing. That's what it means in that sense. In other words, you'll start having these little things that you're going to find it's hard to get away from, where you feel like, you know, I remember, uh, this is like, for instance, there's the park over there. I remember being, you know, here, Karen and I were just dating, and half my friends were still in high school, and just feeling like, I don't know, I just kind of want to do something. And we would get together and make these little sack lists before anyone did anything like that. We just made these little sack lunches and we started like putting like socks in them and stuff and going over there and hanging out with people. And it was just silly stuff, but it was, it was a lot of fun. And, and it wasn't an, I guarantee you it was not an idea that I came up with because I was completely like, I don't know. I mean, not that I've grown, but at that point in my life, I was just sort of like, well, I don't really care about this. <laughs> you know, it's like... There was, it wasn't like, I, I don't know how to explain it. There'll be things, maybe it'll be like, man, I really would like to have like, somehow like get this group going to just like pray or something, or I'd really like to be able to just like do this. It could be a million different things. There'll be something and it'll feel like you could frame it of like, I have this idea that I want to go and do this and, and this will be the result. But, but really what it is, it's more wonderful than that. That would be wonderful enough. I've got an idea to help someone and I'm going to do it. That'd be revolutionary. <laughs> but what it is, is it's, it's even better because it's Jesus saying, what do you think about this? <laughs> Let's go do this together. In the context of this love that's going back and forth, trying to do this. Let's go do this and let's just start planning, start doing some different things. Not because the planning makes sense, just because this is fun. And this is going to be a really great thing for us to do together. And this is going to result in, you know, when you think about it, these little things that we do. And I'm going to say one other thing, and I don't, this has nothing to do with the story, and this may not even be scriptural, but I'm just going to throw it out there from like, now that I'm sort of in my 50s. These little ideas that you guys have, I know everyone in this room has some sort of little idea that's there uh, about something. (laughs) They're pretty precious. They don't come all the time. (laughs) 
And some of them, it may be all worked into a business plan. It may be worked into this. Whatever it is, I don't care how you're working it all out. But it's something that Jesus wants to do with you. And you may not have it all figured out, but it's pretty precious because there's a few of these things in your life. And they really turn out to be wonderful. And there's a lot of opposition that comes with that. But it's something that that Jesus wants to do with you. And he's going to carry the burden of it. He's going to carry the burden of everything that needs to be done right. He'll do it right. He'll make sure it happens. If someone needs you to have this and like to wear a blue shirt or they're not going to accept you or like a you know, red shirt or whatever, he'll make sure you're wearing that shirt that day. <laughs> it's a wonderful thing. And when it talks about this again, I'm just sort of going off subject here. But when it talks about the crowns or the jewels that we have in heaven, the, the rare moments, what will be rare in heaven? What will be rare in heaven is doing things with Jesus when there's pain and hardship existing type thing. In other words, the things that we are doing with Jesus right now, in the midst of all that's going on, all of eternity, it won't be like that. This is the only time when it'll be like that. And so these few things that that you know are there in your heart that you're just starting to kind of develop and, and trying to think about, and it's just sort of there, it's like, That's a really amazing, wonderful thing that Jesus is going to do with you that can only happen right now, and it'll be things that you talk about with everyone for for all of eternity. Let's pray together. Let's stand together, and we're going to take communion. But so everyone's heads are bowed, let's uh, pray together. Um, but, But first, if there's anyone that hasn't started this journey with Jesus and, and would like forgiveness for their sins. And, and, and if it is true that God will accept us and, and love us and care for us, and, and it's all we have to do is, is repent and just believe in Jesus, and you'd like to start that, raise your hand real quick, and I'll pray for you right now. Let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you so much for all that you're doing. Help us to really understand what it is that you're saying. Help us to see clearly, even by faith, by belief, the things that you're doing in this world. And Lord, more than anything, I pray that we will hold on to, hold precious, and respond to you in love and those things that you're disclosing into our heart that you want to do with us. And I pray that we can walk in those things, not, not as righteous people in the sense of not doing anything wrong, but, but righteous people in terms of being forgiven and, and trusting that, that you're alive and you're with us. And, and pray that you would just let those wonderful things develop and, and grow in, in the life that you're giving us here. We ask all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Uh, let's go ahead and remain standing. On the same night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, and after he had given thanks, he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And in the same way, he took the cup, and after he had sipped, he said, 
This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. If you'd like to remember what Jesus has been saying, remember, believe in what he has been done, believe that he came and died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. This is sort of a chance for us to regularly think through that and remember that. Let's pray. Jesus, uh, thank you for the sacrifice that you made for us on the cross. Thank you for what you've given us. And Lord, help us to just sort of grab a hold of the life that you have for us right now. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.